Gnomes. They ain't little dwarves. Then what are they? Let's find out. We're talking playing the races of the realms, gnomes, this week on the Dungeon Master's Dojo. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Dungeon Master's Dojo podcast. This is a show for game masters and players alike. We hope to bring you tips and tricks to elevate your game and develop the art of dungeon mastery. I'm your host, Louis Aponte, and these are your dungeon masters, Scott Labby and Bill Robitaille. Let's head to the dojo and see what they have in store for us today. Hey, gentlemen. Hello, we're talking about gnomes. I'm, gnomes? A, little, I'm a little upset with you two. I want to know who was down in the Lyceum and left door number 17 open. That would have been Scott. They let the gnomes out. You know how hard, how hard it is finding shoes when you got one foot that's a half a size bigger than the other? Scott, I, how I, do you, have, I have a hard time finding shoes anyway. I have large feet. Now we got no one to make our shoes. Scott doesn't Good wear Good going. Any. He doesn't care. That's why he left the door open. Yeah. I'm part Sasquatch. Yeah. Yeah. Part? <laughs> the only person I know that goes they, outside in the snow. Barefoot. Todd does. Well. It's two. That's because you both are related. <laughs> He's a Yeti. He's a Yeti. <laughs> Distant cousin. <laughs> yeah, gnomes are gnomes are uh could be quite the pest if you uh if if you have a gnome problem, right? I mean that's the last thing you want is is a gnome problem. Every time you have gnomes, it's gonna be a problem. Yeah. <laughs> and um so you have to I mean if you have a gnome problem, don't call the exterminator. That's mean. Just go gnome home. You have to <laughs> you have to bait them into a have a heart cage with like a cookie. Gnomes like double stuff Oreos. It's all about it's like, the filling. It's it's like a Big Mac in their hand. <laughs> yeah, and um they have a sweet tooth. You just you you put an open package of double stuff Oreos in there and you you wait for them to trip the trap and then you put them back behind door seventeen. There you go. Um, so shame on you, Lou. I know you were looking for snacks and you know, it was you. It wasn't me. I left door 22 open. You did what? Yeah, that was a problem. Oh, I haven't seen the neighbors in a few weeks. So that's going to be another episode altogether. Yeah, that's, uh, we need, crap. we need all to right. call a paladin. I'm going to go a high sh- level cleric. I'm going to go sharpen all the crossbow bolts. Yeah. That's <laughs> going to be sorry. It's going to be an issue. Thank you. Thank you. It took us forever to catch that too. I, <laughs> I, I turned my back because I was distracted with something shiny, <laughs> and out it went. Uh, and I just got the scars to heal. Thank you. Yep. All right. So, fine. Fine. That's okay. Roam around the lyceum. Just throw doors open. I don't mind. You should have put a proper lock on it. There's a sign that says "Do not open." That's an invitation. <sighs> It's a challenge. Yes. Uh-huh. What, are you, park, what, are you, what are you, park tender? <laughs> I, I picked a lock with a fork I had in one of my pockets. <laughs> I watched Magically them. appeared. <laughs> Another episode. They're magically delicious. <laughs> Kender? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so gnomes. That's wrong. Yeah, gnomes. gnomes. In, in the old days of D&D, in the, I think it was the player's handbook, a gnome was a dead ringer for a little dwarf. Yeah, it was. 
And it wasn't very well developed either. Gnomes were just like, eh, they're like dwarves, only they're not. Have fun with it. <laughs> they're skinny dwarves. Yeah, and you couldn't do a lot with them either because they were like illusionists. Yeah, I was going to say pretty much or, but illusionists or, or thieves. thieves. Yeah, you. I think, could you be an assassin with a gnome? I don't recall. I I don't recall either. I remember just being the illusionist. Can you imagine getting getting whacked by David the gnome? <laughs> you know, you, you you come home from a busy day at work and you're hanging your stuff up and there's David the gnome with like a crossbow trained on you. As you're getting ready to sit down in the can. <laughs> yep. I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> That's not right. It's so funny. <laughs> let's talk about these gnomes. What do gnomes look like? They're small. They are small. They're like halfling sized, right? Yeah. A little a little more slender. They're not as comfy maybe as a little as, more fit from all the running. Yeah. As a as a halfling <laughs> running away. Um and I I perpetually see gnomes looking like gnomes from that well from David the Gnome, but David the Gnome was based on this book by this wonderful Dutch, I think, guy. It was a book titled Gnomes. All the artwork was beautifully oh, yeah, yeah, done yeah, in watercolors yeah, yeah. yep. and stuff. I've been looking for a copy of that Actually, book. Actually, I have the uh I have the goblins version of it over in the bookcase here. That is a different author. It is a different author, uh, but it's done in the same style. Yes. Fairies and Goblins was yep. done by an American guy. Mm-hmm. Um and it was very, very similar in style and very engaging. And I was able to find it on Amazon and I have yet to purchase it. I'm going to, it was one of my favorite books, <laughs> but they, uh, I guess the, the forest gnomes, right? The forest gnomes wouldn't be entirely dissimilar from David, the gnome, maybe without the, uh, bright red dunce caps. I would, um, I would say they're smaller. Um, all gnomes, I believe universally have a large nose. Yeah. Yep. Pretty, yeah, pretty much. Um, which looks larger because their face is so small. These forest gnomes would I see them, I see them looking much like, um, kind of like a fur trapper from the 1800s. You know, they would have yeah, but they're usually a squirrel pelt or a rabbit yeah. pelt. Is like their their full cape and yep, you know, a little a little uh, large nut for a cap sometimes. And yeah, are those um, the fur trooper hats? I would I, oh, I yeah, could yeah, see yeah. them wearing fur trooper hats yep. in the winter with the <laughs> flaps down. I had a guy I worked with used to call it his hat. Because <laughs> when he had the flaps down, that's kind of what it looked like. Uh, like you were a cast member from Fargo or something. The standard issue gnomes, I always I always saw as maybe a little bit more refined, you know, than the forest gnomes. You know, their hair yeah. may may not be as long or, you know, it, it wouldn't have uh, dreadlocks. A little, a little more kempt that way. Yeah. That way, they're not seen as a rodent, right? Right, and they're they tend to be a little bit larger, um, better feed, bet, mu- yeah, much better. The, yeah. Them city gnomes, city gnomes, eating well. But I think they kind of get shoehorned into the. They're either like little dwarves or they're they're kind of halfling like. Yeah, I think you're right. I think they need they they should be treated differently. But they're not. So I think that falls to the game master to like, no, 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 that that's not how the gnomes work here. Yeah. Like I think Tracy Weiss and Margaret Hickman did a really good job of differentiating their the gnomes of Krim from all the other races. Yeah. You know. Yep. Agreed. 
the they were the tinkers and they they built stuff. They, well, they they were refined. They were intelligent. They yep. were you know they they could hold a conversation, uh, an intelligent one at that. So yeah, I think they I think they did a really good job of you know, like you said differentiating them from the other races and the other gnomes that are more stereotypically played. Yeah, and and I I think they never really had much of an identity. No, they're kind of an afterthought because no one really wanted to play them because all you could do would be is a damn illusionist. Yeah, and that that was boring. That got old after a while. Um, how do you think they would see the world? I think the city gnomes would probably see the world as a vast resource. Yeah, their love for uh, jewelry and gems and stuff would be... Jewelry, I think they still are a bit of a tinkering you know, group, so... Every, everything is, just because it works well doesn't mean it works right. I bet you I can make it better. Yeah. That uh, kind, of, kind of mentality. Yeah. yeah, I got to fix it. It works perfectly fine, but it could work better. Yep. That's the exact way I see it. And I, I think the um, universally that's what it would be for for the, the species as a whole. Right. Yeah, but the um, gnomes that lived in in um, perhaps uh, – a city, you know, with a diverse population that they would find their niche in maybe making locks or, or shoes or mm-hmm. toys perhaps. Yeah. Whereas the, the forest gnomes would have, you know, they would, they would use their creativity and their, their mechanical skill maybe to make sophisticated traps for yeah. trapping animals. Traps and snares, maybe their homes, uh, sophisticated devices, yeah. In their homes for you know for trash disposal, uh, opening the windows and doors you know while you're carrying something so you don't have to turn a handle. Maybe it's a set of levers you can tap on you know three levers in a particular combination to open your door. You do not know comfort until you have sat your august posterior <laughs> on a gnomish toilet. <laughs> <laughs> you think those fancy ones in Japan with all the buttons or something? Yeah. Oh, they got no, nothing. No, sirree. The gentle mist from the gnome bidet <laughs> cleaning your bottom properly. Cough carefully patted dry by that overfluffed squirrel tail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there's the gong, so it's time for a break. You can support the Dungeon Masters Dojo in some very simple ways. Be patronizing, like Lou, and become a patron on Patreon, and unlock exclusive patron content. Or if you're like Scott and long-term commitment is an issue, you can buy a Sasaki, shop our merch page for DMD swag, or use our DriveThruRPG affiliate link next time you shop DriveThruRPG. Or visit us on the web at thedungeonmastersdojo.com. There, you'll find links to all the above. Don't forget to email us and say hello. Thanks for listening. There's the gong, and now we're back from break. Yeah, I can see them seeing the world as as a is kind of a resource for what their their next project or what they're working on or the betterment of because they want to better everything, whether it needs it or not. Yeah, in and this is a wonderful opportunity for me as a gnome to improve upon what other people or species have done before. You know, this ballista only fires one, one missile. I can make one that fires two dozen. Yes. Why is why, why would you take all those ballista bolts and feed them into it one at a time? 
when you can make this little box shoot them all at once that that that, that feeds them in there repeatedly and then that re, that reloaded system it is so slow and clunky you know what if you're as you're continuously cranking it's firing off of one string which is loading the other two and bolts are systematically being dropped into the channel so you're firing three at the rate of one an entire species of Tim Allen's from Home Improvement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. All right, how would the world see them? I would think that no matter what what race, no matter what city or town, people would would really love to have a a gnome or gnomes living there, right? Their toys must be you know, it's, oh, the best gnomish toys or their shoes are so good. You know, there, there's just, um, they would be, they would be very well received. I think they're, they're, mm-hmm. they're kind of, uh, simple, agreeable folk. Yep. Even like the forest gnomes, I, I think the like woodcutters and hunters and people that live on like the forest sedge or within the forest would think, well, it's, it's good fortune to have the favor of the local gnome community. They know where to find food. If it's been a really rough winter, uh, we have favor with the the gnome community, so they're going to they're going to help us through mm-hmm. the rough winter. Oh, and your forest gnomes, I mean, they're they have their devices, but I'm sure they're very skilled at woodwork. So some of their carvings, yeah, might be yeah. you know intricate and beautiful because in those cold you know winter months when you're hunting, but mo- it, there's not that much daylight. So you're going to spend most of your time inside of a building keeping warm. You need something to pass the time. So let's carve some wood. So some of that very intricate woodwork and, and tokens and idols would be probably sought after as, as trade goods. Yeah. Seen as, is is good luck charms, mm-hmm. much like a rabbit's foot. Yep. Well, to everyone, but the rabbit. Yep. <laughs> um, so if they're all that comfortable, why would they adventure? My, my guess would be to, uh, for for a gnome, adventuring and seeing the world and, and new uh, technology, new new things with moving parts would be would be a fascination. You know, it would satisfy a certain curiosity. I agree. But in a city, after generations, like you said, you have your clock workers and you have your toy makers, you have your your shoemakers. They've been probably doing this for generations, passed on from, from, you know, through the, the ages and okay, I'm kind of tired of making these boots. And then you see a traveler from a different distance land come through and you, he quickly looks and sees the style of the boot or the style of the saddle, or maybe a small toy with their child going, Ooh, what's that? Yeah, and none of my stuff does that. How does that work? Oh, no, no, you can't have my child's toy to take it apart. And where do you come from? Well, I come from so and so. Well, I need to go there. Yeah, even you know the forest gnomes. I would, I would think they would, they would adventure maybe as um, a defender of the forest. Perhaps there's uh, a, an animal that has been wreaking havoc on local villages or a group of bandits or, you know, someone who is uh, irresponsibly logging or whatever have you, but that would spur them on to, 
take up arms and, and, and go out and adventure to defend their homeland. Perhaps an exotic creature's moved into the area. Yeah. Because it's no longer wanted or needed or was pushed out of the area that it lived in and is settled into this area where there's nothing bothering it until it starts bothering the gnomes. Yeah, so it seems with, with, with gnomes, there any a variety of reasons why a gnome would go out there and and adventure. And maybe it's just even because gnomes like shiny things. They like gems and they like, you know, jewelry and what better way to go out and and get all that stuff and but, buy Especially if you hear stories from adventure other adventurers going, Well, you can get that and you have this and you've seen this. There's that would be quite a driving factor to for for a cure, you know, a, a a race like this that always wants to improve things, wants to see new things. I, I think um, the first one Scott said was furthering knowledge. You know, yeah. we tried pretty much they are classified as inventors or yeah. tinkerers. Yep. Um, and that's how I usually play mine. Mm-hmm. I love your gnomes, Lou. I do too. Wait to see the new one. <laughs> <sighs> I can't wait. Disallowed. <laughs> So some cultural considerations, like what do they eat, what family looks like, and what is important to them? I, I can see like family life being really important, especially if they're passing things down from generation to generation. So family is kind of like the, the core of everything. I can see three and four generations all living in the same house, you know, with, with the, the matriarch or patriarch you know, overseeing everything. Sharing ideas, sharing ideas, you know. Oh, improving that, on ideas. That, that, that's interesting, yep. and I've you know I, over my years I've seen this and that, and oh, that's that's something new. Oh, too bad I can't do this. Well, maybe it can. Yeah, I I see the family unit being organized in with uh, distinct gender roles, uh, like the females are in charge of what goes on within the walls of the home. Oh yeah. And the males are responsible for everything outside of, of the home, hunting, procuring resources. Uh, perhaps the female gnomes would tend to the tend to the gardens and maybe do a little gathering, um, tend to their flock of whatever it is that they have. Geese, geese, gotta be like emus to them, <laughs> <laughs> and. There would be a, a um, you know, the children, of course, would be divided up that way as well. Um, and I could see them having almost like a symbiotic relationship with with certain animals, uh, the forest gnomes, that is. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, with, you know, various forms of rodentia that live in the, um, live in the forest and maybe even, you know, birds and the whatnot. Um, with the city type of gnomes or gnomes that are not the forest gnomes, I would see them taking on pretty much whatever culture it was that was predominant in the city. Uh, Well, being diminutive and almost because of their size, I think they could be dismissed very easily. And that might be a good thing for them because being diminutive in size, you kind of want to blend so you don't become a target. So adopting the cultures so you blend in even better. Yeah, I could see that. Maybe less gender roles with with the, the, those gnomes than mm-hmm. it would be with the, um, you know, I see it kind of like a country mouse, city mouse type of type oh, of thing. Yeah. As far as what they eat, 
Um, the forest gnomes is whatever whatever the forest yields, depending yeah, on what easy. time of year. That that one's easy. And the city is whatever that particular culture. I mean, if the, the culture is spicy foods, then they're eating spicy foods. And if the culture is everything is boiled or steamed, then, then that's what it is. Yeah, and depending on the size of size of the city, um, they may they may eat much in the same way that that we do. I mean, we have cultural food that we grew up on, but um, I'm not an Italian. But I do like Italian food, and I'll eat that. Yep. Um, so I see them having more broad diet, mm-hmm. maybe than um, than those those forest gnomes, and probably a little bit easier to acquire as well. Which yes, would probably lend to maybe a slightly a little better size, definitely a better girth, but a better diet would help promote growth a little bit better. Um, what's important to them? I I think right out of the gate, just family. I think family, in almost all of these cases, family is going to be number one. And being able to provide for that family, which means, like I said, improving things constantly, because eventually everyone's going to make the same thing you're making. So if you don't make it better or make something different, you're not going to have something new. That, yeah, individuality, that identity as, well, I'm not just the the watchmate one of many watchmakers i'm you know i am the watchmaker, watchmaker. where you know the the nobility goes to for their timepieces right um they would be like the the swiss when it comes to uh chronometers yeah there's a lot of families out there that make locks but this is the only family that makes locks for the constabulary Yes, because they're so intricate that they're difficult to pick. So this is what they use in the jails and in the in the administrative buildings and things like that. That's this. That's all those locks come from. This Highly lock sought thing. after by the thieves' guilds. Yeah. Yep. Because <laughs> how the hell do we get in? It'd be even better if they <laughs> they were the thieves' guild. But Lou looks like he's got something to say. Nope. Nope. <laughs> he's like, nope. I got this one wrapped up already. What what class would you choose for this race? There's a couple that stand right out almost immediately. Yeah, I mean, any of your roguey classes probably. Artificer. Well, Artificer stands out right away, yep. uh, which is what Lou's been playing. That'll stand out. I can see a, a, a fair amount of casters when you're in the woods. Your sorcerer, your warlock would stand out to these as well. Yeah, or a druid or, or a, a druid, ranger even. Yep. Yeah, well, I I could see that instead of fighters, almost all of them would probably be rangers because yeah. no one's going to exclusively be a fighter. They're going to be going to be a druid uh, with some fighting abilities and or a ranger. I and, can see it from almost any class, just what subclass they would fall into. Yeah, at that yeah, point. I think yeah. that that's true too. Yeah, and I, I I feel like this would be kind of like a pass down from. Uh, like if you're a druid, you would learn how to be a druid from your grandfather your father and maybe even your great-grandfather you know they yeah. would all be a part of um your, well, your just, just like the city doors you know they've been locksmiths for five generations or yeah. you know bootmakers for 11 generations well okay um our family have been the shaman for this this group for this this town as far back as anyone can remember and so guess what guess what you're doing when you grow up and get better, you'll get better. Yeah, and it's not, it's not baking bread or being an actor like you want to do. Yeah. You're, you're going to do what the family business is. That's just the way it is. Yeah. 
And I would see that as, as a source of great pride for them. And if you had one of those upstarts, you know how young people can be where they oh. have all that free thought we, and everything. We, we go all the way back to number four, why adventure to get the hell away yep. from the family business. <laughs> <laughs> but that would, yeah, I, you're right. I think pretty much all the classes are available. It's just whether or not a subclass fits. And there's quite a few subclasses. I mean, you can even see a paladin in this. Yeah, and we um, we always play thematically. We you know, do f- first, so we're not we're not giving you like the optimized character class for this particular race. No, because, because that's not what we do. Right, and and you can you can have a forest paladin, right? Um, oh yeah. You don't have to be clunking around in heavy armor. Right, what a what a paladin is to a a gnome settlement in the woods is different than what many people may think of a paladin, which would be different than like a city paladin. Right, and it, it, your paladins in the woods, it hardened leathers as opposed to metals. Maybe some scale mail, maybe some you know chain mail. I can see scale mail being more readily available. To them yeah. than anything else, but still, those are those are your border defenders. There's you know there's your champion in charge of the militia, that because there wouldn't be a standing army, but there'd definitely be a militia. But someone's got to run it. So there's always those few individuals, you know the, the the paladin of three that are the teachers, and they're the ones that teach the all the militia how to fight, and everyone has to go spend some time with them to so they can. But there's there's the three that are first and foremost all the time. And that's playing Races of the Realms. Gnomes, we'll see you next time in the dojo. That's going to conclude this episode. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Please subscribe to the podcast for more great content. If you'd like to hear a particular topic, you can reach us out on Facebook at the Dungeon Masters Dojo. Or you can drop us an email at thedungeonmastersdojo at gmail.com. Thank you, and have a good day.